Hello and welcome to Who Gives a Flux, a Doctor Who podcast. And here at Flux HQ, we are on a journey, travelling with the 10th Doctor and his companion, the fabulous Donna Noble, on their path to the 60th anniversary specials. Welcome to the road to the 14th Doctor. My name is Mike and each week I will be discussing two episodes from arguably the most successful era the Doctor Who has ever had. And thankfully, I am with guests Today, joining me to discuss The Runaway Bride and Partners in Crime, it's Stephen and Ben. Hello, both. Hello. Hello there. How's it going? Other than melting, <laughs> um, <laughs> I am good because it is, once again, the hottest day of the year and I'm choosing to record a podcast. But thankfully, you two are as well, so I do appreciate yes. you both going through this pain for me. Please have your fans on and stay hydrated. <laughs> bring, it, bring it on. Stephen, how the devil are you? I'm all right, apart from the heat, which is, you know, the bane of my life. Um, mm -hmm. I'm surprisingly well, thank you. Good. I just, I feel, uh, I feel dirty that I'm recording another Doctor Who podcast with another Ben. How very dare you! I know. <laughs> <laughs> does Ben know you're cheating on him with with another Ben? He does. Yeah. Is he I livid? Sa I said, I said to him, I'm going to record the podcast now, and he goes, Oh yeah, with that other Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Ben, how do you feel about being the other Ben? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, the other Ben, the other man. I don't, I don't know how I feel. I'll get back to you on that. We'll see how it goes first, I suppose. <laughs> and Ben, how the devil are you? I'm grand. Uh, aye, it's great. Uh, the heat's awful, but you know what? I'm living with it. Good. <laughs> well, all we can work. do, right? Exactly. It's just the, it's the lack of sleep, right? That's what it is. It just kills me all day then. Uh, that throws me off like yeah. as well. Yeah, not being able to get to sleep at night. Yeah. And, aye, it's horrid. Yeah, it's wild. But... Anyway, thank you very much for joining me today for this chat. The first step on, on the journey to the 14th Doctor. Now, I do hope that neither of you have been away seeding a level 5 planet because it's actually against galactic law. Okay, just letting <laughs> you know. Um, no judgment, but it's against the law. And we don't want any angry Jadoon after either of you. No, <laughs> unless, unless you're horny and into leather, of course, but that's a whole other podcast, I think. Let's <laughs> should, should I raise the tone? Should have got Joe Ford on for that one. Honestly, yeah, <laughs> I, I learned from the best, right? <laughs> I've always had a um, thing for rhinos, but there you go. <laughs> there it is. There it is. And again, no judgment. Um, Right, we're going to start today with The Runaway Bride. So for our listeners who might not remember exactly what it's about, I'm about to attempt to read what it says on Wikipedia. So, wish me luck. Wikipedia is terrible, by the way, just a side note. Whoever writes these, they need a grammar lesson. Stephen, this is, this is where you need to go next. Thought okay. the Doctor Who page is out, okay? Um, so, in this episode... Set in London, the alien Rachnos Empress and the human resources head Lance attempt to use Lance's fiancée, the secretary Donna Noble, as a key to awaken the Rachnos children hibernating at the centre of the earth by gradually and secretly poisoning Donna with an alien particle the Rachnos use as an energy source. Where was the grammar? <laughs> that was uh, a Genuinely. long sentence. That was the worst, like, rundown of an episode genuinely uh, yes. like 
Like, did they watch it in order? Did they watch it out of order? Like, what's going on? No. Well, the, like... the funny, the funny thing is, I'm rec I'm recording these conversations out of order, so I've read a few of these now, and I can categorically say they get worse. Oh, it's like we we'll start at the end and work our way back, so we'll spoil everything that happens yeah. twist wise, <laughs> and then just get to how like the episode begins. Like... Exactly, it is rough. <laughs> anyway, we got through it. We passed it. We're moving on. So, Stephen, what do you think about this episode? I bloody love it. <laughs> Yeah. I've always loved it. I remember I have memories of watching it for the first time on Christmas Day. I went upstairs and shut myself in my parents' bedroom, which was the only like the second TV in the house because the downstairs one was taken over by the rest of the family watching something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I have, right. I have to watch this. Um, and yeah, I, I've always loved it. My Ben loved it as well when we watched it together. It was like, Aww. yeah, because we're both big Catherine Tate fans, and it's just. You know, she's she's known, obviously, for her comedic performances. But she shows right, even from this, which is obviously The Runaway Bride is a lot more brash than anything else Donna does in the in the show. But um, even right from the beginning, like, she shows her serious acting chops in this as well. I, I completely agree. Ben? So, um, yeah, like, I, I remember at the time, I really, really enjoyed it. Like, uh, I think this came after... Uh, doomsday. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> say it quietly. Say it quickly. <laughs> so obviously, like, I, like, yeah. So like, this was. I don't know. This just felt more in line with from what I wanted from Doctor Who at the time. Um, I've rewatched it recently. Still enjoyed it, but uh, during the, the rewatch last night, I fell asleep before the end. <gasps> oh. <laughs> so, I so I don't know if that's like. No, it's the heat. Uh, we'll blame the heat. <laughs> the heat yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I still enjoyed it. Still love uh, Catherine Tate. Although I found her more insufferable this time around from watching Runaway, Runaway Bride than I did, or that I do remember her being like yes. watching it like originally. And because I've watched this like multiple times um, over the years, but I've not watched it for a good few years now. But she's known as a comedy actress, and I think like you always get really, really good dramatic. Uh, performances from comedy mm. actors whenever you see them in anything where they have to be because like to make a joke land you sort of like need to be able to cover every emotion like you need to be able to play it straight so that you can have a punchline so I feel like that fits really well mm. for like Catherine Tate yeah. and Donna and there's some like really good moments where Donna grounds it an emotion which like I don't think you really get from like David Tennant at all so yeah Really, really like Catherine Tate in this episode. Oh, nice. Okay. So let's talk about the kind of the general plot and the overall plot. Stephen, do you think it is this like a successful one for you? Definitely. I think it's in terms of like the revival of Doctor Who, it's yet again doing something different with it. And you, you know, it's kind of like the first half is like this sort of madcap race against the clock to try and get to the wedding, which you would you know, I would never have expected from Doctor Who at the time. And obviously, you know, the set piece with the car chase down the motorway is like incredible. And that's only like 10 minutes into the episode. But it's like one of the most memorable things probably of Doctor Who ever. And yeah, I think, I mean, some of the plot is a bit silly, isn't it? With the force feeding her the particles through the coffee and stuff. But it's Christmas. I Christmas, as she says. <laughs> you know... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's fun. I think it's something that 
Russell's Christmas specials do quite a lot, actually, is like they sort of fuse genres. And so like with Christmas Invasion, it kind of it felt like two different stories in a way, like the sort of home heartfelt stuff with Rose and Jackie. And then you've got all this glo- like big stuff with the prime minister and the aliens and stuff. And it sort of merges at the end. And then I sort of feel like you get that as well with this one. It's like, as I say, they get into the wedding. The wedding's the most important thing for Donna at that time. But then it evolves into this bigger thing with the massive spider. <laughs> yes. You know? A very, very big spider. Yes. Absolutely. And you're right. That scene, oh my God, you know, when the TARDIS is, is flying down that motorway. And, yeah. And then she eventually does jump in. I, every time my eyes fill up with tears. Yeah. Every time. You know, in 2006, they did a Children in Need concert with Murray Gold's music uh, to raise money for Children in Need. And, um, at that concert, they played that cl- the clip of the TARDIS chase as like an exclusive clip, and the orchestra played the score along to it. And then, so as not to sp- well, so as not to spoil the ending, they cut it off just before she jumps. But they carried on the music to the end, and it's like anyone listening to it would know that it ends with her jumping, like just from listening to the music and like them yeah. heroically flying away. Like <laughs> it's funny. And I have to say, I love that music. It is brilliant. That is that is brilliant. And sometimes I find Murray's stuff quite a lot you know i'm not going to say over the top it's just I, maybe it's something to do with like the mixing of the actual episode sometimes mm. it's really loud and and it can um overpower but that is perfect to me yeah absolutely perfect okay ben is this a successful plot for you yeah i like really enjoy the plot it, it's kept going it doesn't really drag off or like fall away at any point for me like you've I know I said I fell asleep, but we'll just blame that again. <laughs> we'll, blame, we'll blame that on the heat, or maybe yeah, like, but not like like the plot. Uh, I do think they could have done more with the the Empress once she'd be revealed, because she just stands there not doing anything once she's there, because obviously she's just this great big prop with mm. a woman like plopped on top. Yeah. Um. So I think they were sort of maybe bound by the restrictions of that. But I don't know. I would have loved to have seen that, like, chasing them down the corridor or something yeah. to stay up the ante. Yeah. If you see them going on those wee segue things down the corridor, I think it would have been <laughs> funny if they were getting chased <laughs> on them. Yes! <laughs> like, I think that would really pick up. Um, but I agree, like, I think Murray Gold's music can be really, really intrusive at times. And I remember, like, when the episode opens, it felt like a wee bit like a comic relief sketch because it was like it was all banter and over the top music i think that drags down the episode and makes it a tad less enjoyable for me like watching it again but overall um really really enjoy Catherine tate in it yes she's a bit insufferable to me second time around uh but doesn't feel very festive though i will say like that, no that's an it's issue, very I think. bright isn't it it's very uh-huh. sunny <laughs> <laughs> like today uh, it's like today christmas in like, july yeah. that's that, that, it's obviously filmed like what six months in yeah. advance or like eight yeah. months in advance and you're just like you can just tell like they're not cold the sun's beating down on them and like the crappy christmas decorations just aren't selling the fact that this is supposed to be christmas no like, i agree yeah um and i think like the first few russell uh christmas specials are sort of like that i just don't get a very christmassy vibe off them. I don't think it was till maybe like the next doctor. So for a Christmas special it could have been more Christmassy. Like <laughs> To be to be fair, the next doctor is very Christmassy. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, like I think Dickensian. that goes over the top. Yes. Yes. I, I think that's when they got it right. 
maybe it's something about the nostalgia of having watched them on Christmas Day for me that makes them innately Christmassy uh, rather uh-huh. than the actual episode itself being very festive, you know? Uh-huh. So well, it's that probably that. So Stephen, then, well, is there anything that you think could have been better in this episode? Um. Oh, that's a tricky question. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I don't want to say no, because that's just boring. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, nothing's flawless. I do agree with, with Ben that seeing more action from the Empress would have been interesting. But you can't deny that she does look amazing. Um, oh, she looks amazing. Oh, and my she, God. Gives, she gives the best, like, most camp villain performance. Well, she, good, she gives good Empress of the Spiders, doesn't she? She really does, yeah. You sort of, I don't know, you sort of forget that there's a woman in there acting, I think. She mm. just is this alien. I don't know. I think to be, okay, if I was going to say something that would have made it better, maybe Donna being a, a more well-rounded character rather okay. than, you know, because they, they had to change her slightly when she came yeah. back in series four to make her more kind of solid because they do a lot in this like laughing at her being like, a bit thick and like mm-hmm. not not getting that Lance was betraying her, and um, you know, oh, she, the biggest excitement for her is a new flavor Pringle and yeah. stuff. Like you know, she she sort of becomes a bit of a stereotype and a bit of a joke, which I think you know she was only ever conceived as a one-off character. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But perhaps perhaps her being a bit more well-rounded would have would have been better. But it's interesting as well, and we and we will get into Donna shortly. But like for me, by the end of the episode, I really want her to go with the Doctor. Oh, hundred percent, yeah. So we always the... get that with the like the guest companions. It's like you're just go on board, just go on board. Like anytime there's a one-off companion, oh, I, I wouldn't say feel like... I wouldn't say you always get that. Lady Christina could just oh no, yeah, go I... away. Yeah, <laughs> she can go. <laughs> Fly that bus into the sun. <laughs> See, for oh. me, it's more David Morrissey. I don't want him to join the TARDIS. I wasn't fast on him. I would have loved to have seen his companion on the TARDIS. Was oh, Rosita. Rosita. Yeah, yeah she could come along. She was very good. Aye. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the Doctor in this episode then, because obviously he literally says goodbye to Rose you know, in a very melodramatic single tear running down his cheek way. And a second later, Donna appears. And then from that moment on, he's just completely caught up in this kind of mad ride. And I mean, for us as the audience, it's been quite a long time since Rose departed. So it's really strange to Mm. pick up immediately from that when we kind of pick up this story. So, like, Stephen, what do you think about his story in this episode? I think it's one of the charming things about Doctor Who that, it lets you have these big emotions like saying goodbye to beloved characters, but you can't dwell on that forever because something always happens that pushes a story on. So I think, and also you, you know, the doctor is not going to be moping throughout the entire Christmas special because that wouldn't be very interesting to watch. So I think the fact that he's sort of got this welcome distraction that he then, you know, it then turns out to be something that he really manages to help with and, and solve at the end of the day is is good for him i mean this because this is the first time in the new series that we've seen the doctor without rose so it's it's quite you know as a new a new who viewer it's quite a big deal yeah and i like i i mean you know you can just see their chemistry straight away like that they've got this spiky banter and i think he needed that it like if anything was going to snap him out of his 
you know sadness, sadness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. gonna be you know that you can't any amount of no amount of sadness is gonna overrule donna just like shouting at you and slapping you like <laughs> oh, i'm so glad she slapped him yeah a couple of times in this episode he deserved it <laughs> every single one yeah. <laughs> but he goes through quite like a like a uh, quite a story in this, you know, that there's obviously the, the wild distraction of Donna and there are those moments through it where kind of Rose is mentioned and he's, he, you see him, you know, dealing with his kind of grief, but then having to concentrate on what's happening in front of him. And then towards the end, he gets, he gets really quite dark. You know, he's, he's murdering the, the, the baby Ragnos. Mm. Uh, and you know he needs he needs Donna to stop him and get him out, which you know we know becomes very important later on. So, like Ben, what did you think about like the dark turn of the Doctor in this? So, like, like you were talking about, obviously at the beginning, he's just said goodbye to Rose, and then he's immediately got this distraction and Donna, where he's quite flippant and so like just passive over. He's like he doesn't really care. And there's some moments, obviously, she's just shouting at him, and it's so funny, and it's like funny banner. He's ignoring her. And uh, he's obviously, he's trying to maybe just take his mind off things. He's got a new project, like there's a new mystery to go solve, so you can just forget about everything and concentrate on that. And there's a couple of moments, like we're talking about Donna slapping him, but like that's like fair because like he needs to be put in check. He needs a real, reality check. Yeah. He's, uh, Donna's sort of acting the way Jackie did with Rose because yeah. uh, like Rose would just like, her head was in the clouds and Jackie would, instantly bring her back down by like pointing something out it was like you're like about like how she's acting how she's behaving so like donna brings the doctor like down back to earth and we've not really seen that with tenant like because like rose was just like yay you're perfect like i don't need to challenge you on anything um and he's been challenged by like the companion of the episode and we don't really get to see that like, or we've not seen that so much up until now, which uh, I really enjoyed. But then, obviously, at the end, it also like culminates because he's just standing there, uh, and it is a little bit darker. I was like, I'd like it to be darker because I'd like to see more conflict and just like more bad things happen. <laughs> <laughs> you want it to be more grim, yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. I was like, I want, I want to see the baby spiders like screaming. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe um, one day they'll revisit this and do like a special magnificent edition with all new special effects, and you'll have baby Ragnos drowning and burning. I remember I, like reading at the time it was like it was a case of like they could either have the water or they could have the. The baby Ragnos, they couldn't afford like both, and obviously, oh, I see. Uh, like, I'm sure that was in one of the because I used to read, like, I used to read all the production notes in Doctor Who magazine at the time. I used to watch like Doctor Who Confidential and just lap up every bit of like Doctor Who content. Uh, yeah. And I'm yeah. sure Russell T. Davies spoke about that, like, saying that it would have loved to have seen like the spiders coming up, but they just couldn't. Don't you think that would have been too much for Christmas Day? Like just actually seeing the baby spiders drowning, like I think the water on its own is is enough, isn't it? <laughs> I suppose like you, like uh, the idea is still there, but then uh, yeah, you know, darker than the Christmas Day episode of EastEnders, which is usually the <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. shockingly <laughs> awful episode. Not that I watch EastEnders, but I just know that bad things always happen at Christmas. Like on the Christmas episode, mm-hmm. it's always like the most horrendous things. <laughs> So I, I don't think it would have been that bad. <laughs> I, I mean, I think Tennant can handle the darkness. 
I think I think he's in his wheelhouse when he is playing those dark moments. Yeah. You know, I, I do think he's good at that. And I think this is the kind of one of the first proper tastes where they let him do this. And I quite like that they did it on Christmas Day. It, it, it gave a bit of gravitas to it. Mm. And of course, we find out as well. He says Gallifrey for the first time, doesn't he? Yes. Um, and that so that was quite a quite a moment, and I quite like that. And goosebumpy, you know, I, uh, that was quite cool. See, I, I get a time. I remember I was like, ooh, but like when I was watching it last night, because this was round about where I fell asleep and woke back up. I was just like, oh, that sounds a bit naff now. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to be. You were taken out of the zone, Ben, and uh-huh. then it's hard to just. It's hard to jump right back in. You know, you had been asleep for who knows how long. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, 45 seconds. No, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I would like to see like Doctor Who go darker and like challenge more like morality things mm. because that, that's just more interesting to me, especially now as I'm getting older. Like, the special effects and the funny lines and all that, they're all grand and the clever plot points. But I want, I want the Doctor to be challenged more, I want them to work. For their ending, yeah. like I don't, I don't like an easy ending. And oh, no. like we'll just flood the like with the spiders with the Thames. I don't know. Like I, I want more. Like, well, I always want more. <laughs> because I mean, I was watching some of this with Jay whilst um, obviously doing my homework before recording the podcast, and a couple of them he's been watching them with me. He's not, he's not really a massive fan, but he kind of dips in and out. And some of them, he he sat there and he said to me, "This feels like it was written for children." And I know that Russell T. Davis really did champion bringing Doctor Who and making it for the, the kids and the family audience. But um, I kind of I got where he was coming from in those moments where some of it is incredibly light and actually some of it wouldn't be far away from the way the Sarah Jane Adventures became. Um, oh. and, I, and I, it's quite fascinating that, I mean, I'm a fan of the dark TV as well. Obviously, you, you've got to be in a certain mood when you're watching Doctor Who. And I guess when you're flipping from Doctor to Doctor, they, they, they are different moods anyway. So if you're in a bit of a darker mood, you could chuck on some Capaldi yeah. and kind of revel in that for a bit. Um, but then you know that Tennant is on this journey through the fourth series to become kind of, you know, to put him in a dark place, really, to give him his arc, because his arc really is to become or potentially become the Time Lord Victorious, I guess. So you can kind of see the seeds of it here, and I, but I do love the fact that Donna, like you said, brings him back down to earth and you know slaps him awake, and and bring uh-huh. and makes you know cha- really does challenge him because the Rose did challenge the Ninth Doctor through Series One, and I think that he she did kind of question and and, and push him, and then when he becomes the Tenth Doctor, that kind of goes away. Uh-huh, like mm. especially like in Dalek, like I think like that confrontation between Rose and Nine's just perfect. Like he's the yeah. one point of the gunner. Like if like I uh but I don't yeah, you're right, you don't really see that with Ten. I think she's just in the honeymoon phase now. I think And then be, and then because like Martha is besotted with him, like she does challenge him as well, yeah. or she tries to, but then she kind of falls into that trap which I'm sure we've all been in where, you know, it's okay he's dreamy we'll just mm. let him get away with this today and i'll i'll challenge him tomorrow and then tomorrow never comes you know so i think it's interesting if you like if you look at rose martha then donna there's definitely a progression when you see like rose in fact with them we can do no wrong martha she begins like that but then she starts to sort of like question 
with more in challenge and more and then by the end of it she's done like she yeah. walked the planet for yeah. a year and like <laughs> she's like i'm over this fucker like <laughs> i am done and then donna's like she, she's not infatuated with him but she she realizes that he could potentially like make her a better person and give her a better life there's like three very different stories going on with three like different companions and there's a yeah. progression there i know this obviously falls before we get to see martha but obviously at this point she, uh, donna's not supposed to be long-term companion yeah exactly i mean for me what struck me in this episode is i always remember donna being that brash character like we've all mentioned but there are some quite nice moments in this episode where where there are hints of the companion that she does become Mm. um so i was wondering Stephen, do you have any kind of favorite donna moments in this episode well i mean you've set that up as in like the kind of less brash moments but all her no we can't all i was gonna say all, anyone or every every line she has in this episode lives rent free in my head um <laughs> like uh one that just springs to mind is stop bleeping me yeah um, <laughs> but, um yeah no it's lovely to see the variety like the moment when she's like silently crying in the tardis um and then the doctor tries to like distract her by showing her the wonders of the you know formation of the earth um that's a really lovely moment when she's like she's sort of trying to recover herself and she actually she can see the wonder of it and it's like because she's she's gone on a journey then because you know at the start of the episode she wasn't interested in any she was in a spaceship and she wasn't wonder you know she wasn't curious about that yeah um but then she sees you know these these marvels and actually you can see the inspiration in her and uh, you know, and the scene after the um, after the chase when they're sitting on top of the building, like oh, that's lovely. You again, you can see obviously he's just saved her life, so she's started to melt a bit. Yeah, I just think it's nice. It's nice that you get to see a variety. But then you know, then she'll then she'll like you know in the phone box when she's like, oh, I don't know where I am. It's a street and there's W H Smith, but it's definitely <laughs> Earth. Like um, <laughs> like she's she's just like unintentionally hilarious well obviously you know intentionally hilarious but from a character's point of view she's not trying to be funny but no. she is yeah <laughs> and her yeah, feud, was feud with neris oh you know... can i just say neris's face while she is walking down yep. the aisle that is brilliant <laughs> she deserves the awards that, for that. does it's look like a scene out look. of soap doesn't it it like, really does but yeah. i love that oh that's awesome how about you ben any standout donna moments I think like what I spoke about like the grounding moments, like the doctor's been flipping and she's terrified at moments and when she brings them down, I'm like, fucking get them. Like Yeah. <laughs> like you tell them. But uh, my favourite line is probably like my favourite line in any Russell T. Davies, but I don't even think it's the line itself. I just think it's how it's delivered. But it's when she screams that Santa's a robot is yeah. fucking <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Like I, I actually like I, I don't know if I forgot it. I wasn't expecting it. Watching it last night, but I was screaming with laughter. <laughs> I was like, it's just the way she like delivers it. It's so funny. Like it's the best yeah. line in the episode. It's for that me. she's got that certain um <laughs> certain cadence in her voice that she. she uh-huh. uses. It's just it's like, the same. It's... it's the same as when in series four when she goes, "What well, isn't that wizard? It's the <laughs> Santa's a <laughs> robot." Like, it's yeah. like, but it's also like the audacity that Santa's a robot as well. It's just, yeah, it's <laughs> brilliant. But um. 
but when her family and her friends obviously come under attack during the reception mm. and she goes like she doesn't give a fuck about the doctor like she goes yeah. and she's protecting him and she's making sure everybody's all right and that gives that almost echoes what happens and is it fires of pompeii when mm. the volcanoes are erupting and she's trying to help everybody she's trying yeah. like you know like there's just so you there is like the character you see later on i think there's lots of wee threads that you can see throughout this episode that just get expanded upon and just make her like a better well-rounded yeah. character and i think she's brilliant but i think a lot of it is in the performance i think oh yeah definitely. brings because watching it last night like some of the lines are just like clunky and bad um like to me right like <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um but when she's delivering the lines like i don't really care because i'm just mm. like i um yeah, yeah. i'm on board with you like I, I don't know there's just something about her performance that like automatically like you sign on um but i i, I just think she's brilliant but i do think you see a lot of donna from season four here and it's just yeah. uh, it just becomes bigger and better i guess i agree for me it's there's one tiny this is really like a blinking and miss it moment but when um the doctor and donna and lance are on the hidden floor of H.C. Clements and, uh, and he's about to climb up the ladder to get his bearings to see where he is mm. and he turns to, uh, to Donna and says, oh, I couldn't get rid of, rid of you if I tried and she has this tiny little sort of half smile on her face when he says it as if, I like this I like you and this is this is something, this is more there's more to me, I think, than I realised. It's, it's the tiniest, tiniest little thing. She doesn't say anything. Yeah. She just looks at him. And I love that. I was like, yep, right there, you are a companion. The connection. Yeah. Completely, completely. I thought, I thought you were going to say, uh, when Lance says, don't know what we're going to do. And she's like, I thought you lie. <laughs> <laughs> but I love as well that that comes after that moment. It's a, a complete flip. <laughs> In a split second, and it's brilliant. And yeah, Catherine, we owe a lot to Catherine Tate. Yes. Oh. Did you know? Um, I I heard the other day she uh, she wasn't available for the read through, and uh, David Tennant was dating Sophia Miles at the time, and she read in for Donna. Um, can you imagine how different that would have been? Like, wow, that would have been appalling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, nobody else is Donna Noble. No. Nobody else could ever be Donna Noble. No. No, absolutely. And I have to mention, we as well, kind of star of the show, Sylvia Noble. I have to bring her up because she steals every scene she's in. I mean, this is RTD giving us another really great mother. But my question for the two of you is, Jackie or Sylvia, go. I'm just going to say, I can't fucking stand Sylvia. <laughs> no! What? I fucking hate her. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think you're supposed to dislike some of the stuff she does, but... Yeah, definitely. No, I just, her I story. Oh, like, I know, like, she has a moment, it's a larvy moment in turn left, I think, is quite good, but, like, that's the way... I don't know, I just, like, nah, I could, be, I could do with that. So, I'm Team Jackie. <laughs> oh, Team Jackie yeah. straight away. <laughs> Stephen. I'd rather have a cup of tea with Jackie. But in terms of watching, I like I like them both. I think they're both really entertaining. Sylvia's, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but Sylvia's a bitch. Like Sylvia um, is a bitch. She, you know, she's she's really quite borderline abusive to Donna. Really like putting her down, like you know, niggling away. Sorry, I know we're not talking about series four yet, but yes, even no, but even in is. this, even in this, it's like 
it's like as soon as, as you know you'd think a mother would be worried if her daughter just disappeared like that but she's blaming her saying oh it's just, just showing off oh this is what this is what she's like you know first yeah. day at school she was sent home for biting and it's like um <laughs> <laughs> it's like would you not be a bit concerned maybe that's just how her concern comes out but it's yeah She's yeah. she's not a very nice person, but I think she's an entertaining character. Um, she is. Oh, I yeah. agree. I hate her. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I will just say, poor Francine. Okay, we'll just put that out there. Poor Francine, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay, so let's do final thoughts then about the Runaway Bride. Um, Stephen, you can go first. Should our listeners give a flux about this episode? Oh, 100%. It's a brilliant Christmas special. Like, you don't have to have seen any Doctor Who to enjoy it, which I think is good for a Christmas special. And I think, yeah, it's a great introduction to a character who goes on to be a lot more significant. So, you know, you can't really you can't really talk about Donna Noble without talking about The Runaway Bride. 100%. Ben, how about you? Yeah, like, I like this episode a lot. Um, and I would recommend it. And, it, like... Stephen said, you can watch in its own little bubble. You don't need, because everything that happens before is touched upon and it's not, you don't need to expand on it. You don't need to know about it, like for the context of the episode. And even if this was the only episode with Donnie watching it, I still feel you'd come away like satisfied that, yeah, like, I like, she, like, even like before she came back, she, like, Donna was Doctor History as soon as the episode went mm, out. Like, yeah. She became up like I like that was it. Like people would have been talking about it, like regardless of whether or not she came back. Oh, definitely. Yeah. For for me, I think that I love the fact that I really want her to go with the doctor. I mean, I really love the fact that she chooses not to, and you completely see and understand her reasons. And that, that kind of melancholy is the kind of drama that I do enjoy. And if this was all we had, this would be a phenomenal story and a phenomenal you would we'd want Donna back, wouldn't you, for those cameos and to bring her back for another special somewhere along the line. We'd want to see what she was doing. I think that's the mark of such a good character. And I will say the final, final thought for me is Pockets. <laughs> <laughs> what a fantastic payoff to a tiny throwaway gag at the start of an episode. I remember thinking when he pulls out the controller to the Santa robots, being like, that is so fucking clever, I'm here for it. I love also, that. Can, can I just point out that every woman I know would probably love a wedding dress with pockets. Mm. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Especially like, these days, where are they going to put their phone? Exactly. Women get so excited <clears throat> when like items of clothing come with pockets. Yeah. Like Every woman I know will be like, look at my pocket. Like That sounds... <laughs> Definitely. Uh, like, like if it's an unexpected pocket, they're all about it. So maybe there's a market for wedding dresses with pockets. <laughs> I completely, completely agree. Okay, so Stephen, how many pencils inside a mug out of ten do you give the Runaway Bride? Oh, it's a hard one, but I love it. So I'm going to say nine, um, with only only dropping a mark for what we were saying earlier about maybe Donna being a bit less stereotypical would have been better. Mm, fair, Ben. How about you? So I'm going to judge it like from my first impressions way back then, I think, because otherwise I'll probably give it a lower score. But I'm going to give it an eight pencils and a mug um, because I think it's a solid episode. And uh, yeah. I probably would go back and enjoy rewatching it. As part of a bigger run, though, 
maybe that's what I needed was to watch it like with the other episodes surrounding it. So with the context, like as uh-huh, you're feeling it, it, like yeah, I got you. Aye, yeah. like maybe that's like maybe it took me out of it because I'm just jumping in a random episode and because uh, I, I, I tend to like to watch them like from like start with episode one and work your way through and obviously that's not what I've done here so I don't know if that's took me out a bit maybe that's well, why I fell asleep <laughs> maybe if you like that you should listen to the about time podcast because they're actually going through every episode no I know, I know. <laughs> as it goes there we go Stephen I plugged you I plugged you thank you <laughs> You know what? I'll um, download. I'll download a few episodes and I'll get through them. Honestly, uh, you what a treat you're in store for. Honestly, it's if brilliant. you if you start listening and you think my Ben is all he does is complain, it does it does get better <laughs> as he starts well, to get indoctrinated. It's all, it's yeah, maybe it's something to do with the name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it must be. <laughs> Um, I think I think for me I'm gonna go like a seven and a half out of ten. I think that it's a really really good episode, and I would have no problem watching it whenever you know July or December. Yeah, uh, and I think that Tate is fantastic. I like that Tennant has something to do. He has a story, the grieving, the the drama. I, I like all that. The, I like the soapiness of the wedding. I like the madness of the giant spider. I think it's got it all. But I, I again, I think you're right. If Donna had been a lot more well-rounded and treated perhaps a little bit more like as if she should have been the companion coming next, yeah. that would have made it stellar. Let's turn to Partners in Crime and a very, very welcome return to Donna Noble after quite some time. This is the part where I have to try and read Wikipedia. So let's go to that. So this episode reintroduces Donna Noble. uh, And in the episode, Donna and the 10th Doctor meet while separately investigating Adipose Industries, a company that has created a revolutionary diet pill. Together, they attempt to stop the death of thousands of people in London after the head of the company, Miss Foster, creates short, white aliens made from human body fat. <laughs> That's all it says. That's, That's what a, it says. The description, isn't it? <laughs> that is the description. <laughs> okay, so Ben, what do you think about this episode? So, yeah, like, it's nice to see Donna back. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Will, Wilf and I'll have more to say about that but overall like this is not a great episode for me there's some brilliant moments in it that lift it uh, but overall like I'm, I'm obviously really, like, confused <laughs> more than else watched it again last night, didn't fall asleep during it but I'm sitting there I was like have I fallen asleep because I have no fucking clue what's going on for a lot of it like the I <laughs> not my favourite episode <laughs> interesting Stephen what do you think well um, I'll come clean and I, I haven't actually rewatched it in preparation for this but I've seen it enough times in my life that I think I can I can you got uh, this. form an opinion yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, I kind of love it I kind of love it um, I always remember watching it again on first broadcast and it felt it just felt fresh and it kind of felt almost like a movie like it's something about like the score and like it just feels like everything's stepped up a notch for this series. 
and you you feel it straight away. It is fantastic to see Donna back. And I just love that Russell is so like contrary that he said to himself, well, everyone thinks Catherine Tate, all she can do is comedy. So um, they're going to be expecting me to do something really serious with her on their first episode. So we're going to flip backwards, do 180 and actually go full ham on the comedy, you know? And yeah, it is it is a hilarious episode. I love the adipose. They're cute. <laughs> they are I used cute. to have I used to have one of the squishy stress toys, but it burst. Oh um, can I ask a question about like the adipose design that has always bugged me for like it's like is that supposed to be a tooth or like a wee cleft in its lip? Like all of them have oh, this yeah. wee like and it's obviously it's just like the character designed and yes. then like 3D imaging just has like this one tooth, but they all have it, and it's just I always find it like really distracting because I'm just like, well, that's just the same effect that they've been yeah, I like never thought over. of that before. <laughs> so like they all have the or like this one is that a tooth? Is that a skin? That's like, I I have no clue. Like, but that's I <laughs> I assumed it was a tooth to be honest. Uh, yeah, like I, to me, like it reads as a tooth, but they all have the exact same. It's, it gives tooth. it that copy and paste effect, yeah. doesn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah. I'd never like, thought that, that before, and you've ruined it for me now. So. <laughs> that's why I'm here to do. Yeah, yeah that's Ben got the memo. This is what he does. <laughs> and that that that's only like the male thing that like like I'm going to bring up more as we go on. Like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't doubt that. Um, <laughs> what do we think the adult adipose look like? Are they like giant versions of them, or do they sort of grow into a more defined shape? Do you think? I want them to be giant versions of that. Yeah. <laughs> they miss a trick like you know like when they go back to like loads of aliens they also they could just have like a giant adipose kicking about in the background with like a little one in his arm or something like that would have been cute yeah, and a big tooth cute. Like... and a big tooth yeah <laughs> yes i'll get to the bottom of this tooth like the tooth of the adipose like <laughs> <laughs> okay then so how successful is the plot for you then ben <laughs> yeah, I, I'm laughing already. Sorry. <laughs> like, I just, I think it's lazy to a degree. Like, take out Donna and uh, Tennant doing their thing, and they're going in and they're like investigating like separately. Take that out of it. Like, the actual plot with like the fat pill and just no it's just it's not for me and then eventually like so were they going to kill them eventually or like everybody's taking the pill were they going to die or were they just going to take all the fat and then bugger off because if that was the case then they, did, they didn't really need to intervene <laughs> like they could have just left yeah that wasn't happy, clear was it yeah no uh, like, that, that, that was like one of the things like um would anybody have died if donna because the only person that dies in the episode is Stacy, and that's only because Donna activates the thing. So, like, Donna's responsible for her dying. So, if like Donna didn't investigate, would Stacy still be alive and like thinner than she was at the end of all this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we're supposed to assume that the general plan would be to, you know, tr- trial it out here and then then convert every human in the UK into, you know, get rid of them for all the... In in Turn Left, they show, like, what happens in the alternate timeline, and, like, it's they do it in America, and it something happens there where, uh, isn't it, like, loads of people dying in that version? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Like, that could have been, like, like, because for me, like, that takes away the threat. I was like, all right, you're making, like, people that obviously aren't happy being overweight take this pill, and 
be skinny at the end of it? Like, but like, are you going to kill them? Like, was like, there's there's no A to B to C like plot for me in regards to that. For me, that's confusing. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, just let them like, just let them like fire these wee adults. <laughs> <laughs> I like so I think that could have been a lot clearer and because I know so the point of the episode isn't isn't the plot, it's the like reunion between yeah. Yeah. Uh, the doctor and Donna and I get that, but I just feel like you're doing it a disservice by just having this like wacky over the top and is it offensive? Like, oh like let, let's make fun of fat people, like I don't know. I mean, like... as a fat person, <laughs> I I did not take offense. And in fact, I was like, sign me up. <laughs> because yeah. a couple of pills right now would make me feel a lot cooler, I think, yeah. <laughs> in this heat. <laughs> I mean, like, I too, I'm a chunkster. And I'm just like, I, I, like, I know like Russell T. Davis is a big guy, but like, it's alright if you make fun of yourself, but it just feels like he's making fun of fat mm. people to me. And it, I'm... I just. I'm the chunkiest of the chunks. And uh, <laughs> I, from my point of view, I think rather than making fun of fat people, I think it's more taking a dig at the diet industry and this whole, yeah, like, uh-huh. you know, I... it's, it's more about this, this people, people's desire for a quick fix. And, the, uh, the, I... and you know, the, the company's sort of taking advantage of that. That's what it is I, for me. I, I agree that's the intent. And I know there's like a black mirror. Like element of it, I just I don't think it lands very Maybe well. Not. Like for me, at least, like mm. um, just overall, like I said, I was like I didn't get a sense of danger, um, to like the planet because mm. they were going to make like overweight people like skinnier. Like mm. I, I just oh, it's felt like certainly they kind of rat light, <laughs> isn't it? I think, and I think it kind of has to be to allow all a the comedy to work and b to let the characters have that focus because I think other comedy season openers haven't been quite as successful as this. Yes, New Earth, I'm talking to you. Um, <laughs> I think this one shines brightly. I love this episode. And I think, but for all the character and comedy moments, for me, you could remove the adipose stuff and I'd be quite happy just to watch them running around, missing each other, investigating something mm. silly. And then and then it, it doesn't matter what the threat is to me. But then I like the kind of crowd duplication of the of the adipose and how they did that. And and I, I love that scene where the taxi driver has a slap on the brakes and he squishes a couple. Um, that noise. <laughs> I mean, that was very satisfying for me. I don't know what that says about me. But um, yeah, I think that it's a... It's a successful plot as a comedy series opener and a return of a person who was not going to be a companion and making them a companion. So, well, as we're there then, Stephen, Mm -hmm. is there anything in this episode that you would have done differently or that you didn't like? Because now you say you loved it. Yeah. um, I think actually Ben's point about the, the treatment of overweightness maybe doesn't land the way it was intended. Um, that would be probably my my biggest thing mm. I would like to see different. different. Um, I guess the implication is that we all do want a quick fix and we all are all a bit lazy. And if somebody did start selling diet pills where we lost that much every day, we would yeah. all take it. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the doctor. Because I think in this episode, he starts as a bit of a lone wolf, really. Kind of, he's talking to, to himself in the TARDIS and craving a mate. 
Um, and then we get to one. <laughs> um, We've all been there. We have, um, <laughs> you know, obviously not the one he was expecting. So, Ben, what do you think about the Doctor in this episode? Uh, he's the same as he was in the past, like, like three seasons before that. I like. I think he works best when he's bouncing off Donna. Like, I think the dynamic with Donna is when he's at his best. Does that make me like him more? Not really. It just makes me like Donna more. But yeah, like at this point, I'm not caring about what the Doctor's getting up to, which is probably a bad sign, <laughs> considering it's called Doctor Who and he's the Doctor. Um, but it's but, also treating Donna as the co-lead of this show uh-huh. and this series. And that's something that moves through series four really, really well. And I don't think they've ever treated the companion as well as a co-lead as they do with Catherine Tate. Mm. I think that's down to like her personality and just her presence on screen because like you can't relegate her to like a supporting role. It just no. wouldn't work. She she outshines the doctor quite a lot, like um throughout like her run. And I think it's just that's just what Catherine Tate brings yeah. to the role, like it Definitely. brings to the show. And um I think I think the show's better for it, and I think David Tennant's doctor's better for it. But mm. again, that doesn't mean I care about the character. <laughs> <laughs> the more I watch him, the more I'm kind of I don't want to say liking him less that's not what i mean but i mean i it might be one of those things where because i've watched the 10th doctor story so much and they're so ingrained in me that they're not as exciting as interesting as they once were i i i guess that could be happening but like Stephen, what do you think about the doctor story in this episode um i like that we pick it up you know in the middle of things um, and he's already investigating as, as, as Don has already investigating. And uh, this is like, when I said it feels like a movie in a way, like I always think of that, sh- that shot where he's got the, I don't know what it's called, but that device where he's scanning for something and it's like a dark nighttime street and he's mm-hmm. like running with it. And then uh, it turns out that him and Don are like on net parallel streets or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just think, yeah, it's, it's nice to see that between between seasons and between companions he's still living the same or trying to live the same old sort of you know life where he's trying to right wrongs but yeah obviously he needs that that person oh he very very much needs somebody with him 100 percent. i think it was weird i found about the doctor's story in this episode because obviously we've got the grander story but you know that bit where he um like locks himself in a cupboard all day to wait for people to go home before he actually does the investigating i found that a bit strange why would you uh, do that? And also, just like, an FYI, in my notes, um, autocorrect has changed it to, it's quite unusual for the Doctor to lick himself in a cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> That's the version I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that is quite weird, though, right? I've actually completely forgotten that. I don't remember that at all. No, yeah, it's like, just odd. I, I think, like, because it could have been funny, like, obviously Donna sets herself up in the cubicle all day, and then they juxtapose that with the Doctor, I don't know, going to get a bag of chips or something, and just waiting for everybody else to leave till he goes in, would have made more sense. Yes! Like, because he's, first of all, he's got a TARDIS that he can, like, just move anywhere, like, he doesn't need to hide a hole away, and mm. 
in a cupboard, but then I suppose does that not play in later because he realizes that there's something behind the wall in the cupboard he was hiding in. True, true. That was maybe that was the point of that. Fair. This episode That's doesn't fair. make sense to oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> did, didn't he say he'd been he'd been like working on it all day or something? Or did I make that? No, there maybe was he was. Yeah, I maybe think there he was, was a lane. Aye, mm. but. It's still, I like. But I have no trouble believing that at some point in that cupboard he licked himself. <laughs> Probably <laughs> licked everything else. It's something the doctor would have done. He does like licking things. He yeah. does but, like so, licking things. That's it. Like, isn't it? Like, I find the music really intrusive here. And again, like you were saying, I don't know if it's the mix or not, but like, you know, they're in a cupboard and they're in a cubicle and a toilet, and the music makes it sound like they're scaling down a mountain on a heist of some sort, like. It's just over the top, and I just I don't yeah. get it. Like you're entitled like, oh, to your wrong opinion. <laughs> no, <laughs> first of all, yeah, I am not. I am not saying that Murray Gold is not like a good composer, and the music isn't good. I just don't think the music fits very well with what we're seeing on. The I think something interesting he said, Murray Gold, in one of the one of the soundtracks, like one of the liner notes, he said, "When you score the Doctor thinking." You have to score it like action because his his thoughts are so powerful and so forceful. So I feel like when something cataclysmic happens, like he realizes that Donna's brought this spare pendant and he can suddenly fix things. That's why it's so grand and like ah, you know, it's like no, no, yeah. so yeah, it works. So it works when there is a moment of like like revelation or like like I I could forgive it there, but yeah. when he's waiting in a cupboard and it sounds like again, it sounds like they're breaking into a bank or something. I, I just <laughs> I don't. Like they're walking down the street, and it sounds like a car. It sounds like it's a funny car chase because it's like I don't know. Like for me, the music's intrusive. I'm not saying it's bad music. I just, no. for yeah. me, it doesn't. Uh, but it's a, like less is more. Like a lot of the things. I love it. Like, Don, Donna's <laughs> theme certainly does get a good run for its money in this episode. <laughs> oh, it really <laughs> does. If you if you can walk out away from this episode and not have it stuck in your head, then yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I have to. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about Donna then. Okay, so Stephen, how well do you think that Russell handles Donna's return? Really well, actually, I think. I love the fact that she has these ideas of she's been inspired by meeting the Doctor, so she's going to go and like travel the world and blah, blah, blah. And then she tries it and it's a bit, actually, it's a bit shit, you know? Like, without the Doctor to open these doors, like, she's... Um, you know, she's just got to sort of do the guided tours and stuff and it's all a bit crap. I like that. And then so that she really, all she really wants to do is find the Doctor again. And the fact that obviously as we go through Series 4, there's this whole sort of destiny thing. It, it I, I almost feel like Russell thought to himself, you know, how many people have met the Doctor once and then really wants to meet him again? And what are the chances of that actually happening? Not very high. So that's why there's this kind of, plot line about it being their destiny that they come back together yeah you know yeah i agree and i think um i mean you know rtd does love a prophecy doesn't he mm. and he loves that kind of theme of destiny and and we're about to see it picked up again i think in the 60th mm. anniversary special so that's exciting and i think he does handle donna's return really well i mean for me you do get a much more well-rounded person i think that scene on the hill where oh, donna and wilf are there amazing. having a chat with a little flask and looking at the stars and looking at venus i think is one of the best scenes i think in all of doctor who actually that just that scene where she's talking about waiting for the right man and you know he's like go out and get him and i, I just think yeah. it's the most 
you know, she's quietly spoken, she's quite practical, she's thinking about things to do, how to find him, you know, join that health and safety firm just to get the ID to get into the other places and, you know, she, she's clever. And then you also get her really sarcastic then with Sylvia and you, you, there's a, there's a well-rounded person here that we finally get to see. Yes. I love the fact that she has that relationship with Wilf um, because, you know, if it was just her and Sylvia, she'd be, you know, she'd be driven up the wall. Like the mm. fact that she's got that outlet and that obviously, you know, it was originally intended to be her dad, which, which would have been nice, but Bernard Cribbins obviously, you know, takes it to another level i think um oh, 100%. the fact they have that that real emotional connection and the fact that they've both had encounters with the doctor and neither of them told each other yeah <laughs> and and they're both talking about the same thing and, and they don't know i love that that's so that's so real actually yes. in a way yeah love that ben how does donna's kind of change in this episode work for you like it's it's a definite like progression of it. Sort of it's like we've got this character, we've got time to expand. So they don't need to jump in with everything straight away, but they present her definitely like that. There's more facets to her than they were before. And like with Will, there's like that lovely scene in the mountain and the mountain the hillside is like really nice and lovely and sweet. And they filmed. I, I think they did film that with the actor that played they did, her dad. Yeah. Um, and for me, like, because I've seen that, and I don't know if it's just because I've seen it, like, outside as, like, a deleted scene, it, like, it doesn't hit as hard as it does when you watch it with Bernard Cribbins, and I don't know what it is, like, you just see Wilf and your, like, heart's just, like, oh, like, like I don't know what I you're th- just, I in, think you're invested, like, straight away. Yeah, Bernard has magic. He does. It he's really literally is. magic. I... I don't know if it's because he always looks like he's on the verge of tears like you. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. always on the verge of tears. Yeah. <laughs> seeing seeing his um, scenes in the 60th with, that he filmed before oh. passing is going to be just I think heartbreaking. It's gonna be tough. Yeah. I think that's going to yeah. be tough. Yeah. Um, but like the episode, I mean, it's Donna's return. Like she's better. But uh, and I think, again, a lot of it's like it's just down to Catherine Tate, like how she performs it. Mm. Like the. The scene, I know, like, the most famous scene is obviously when they see each other at the window. Like, that would not have worked. That that would have fallen flat with any other, like, character like that had been in the show before other than Donna. That only works because Catherine Tate sells that. Like, I I don't think anybody else could have sold that scene as well as she does. So I think the strengths of the episode purely, like, rely on how strong... Catherine Tate is and which she brings to the character um, absolutely and also I think Russell writing these lines for her because the th- you know the thing is like you know what are you doing in church and she's like praying <laughs> <laughs> you know and just all those little things you know hold on I am you know like she, he knows what Donna would say and he knows how Catherine would deliver it and that's just a match made in heaven yes yeah, I just love I, it like- uh, but then I think that like, Catherine Tate could probably make most things funny. Just I'm sure. not like I'm not shitting on Russell's writing, even though I don't think it's the best. But I just mean like you could sit and watch her. Like I know that like the cliche of like reading a phone book, but she would make the phone book funny. Mm. Like like I you just you know that like everything that she does is going to be like comedy gold, or like mm. even at, like the moments of like. It's like reflectiveness that like you see in the episode with her. Like, yeah, like it's it's all good. Like it is. Um, you're you're just you're hanging on her performance, and you can't 
I, I can't dig that up enough. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's that joy, absolute joy on Donna's face when when where she finally sees the doctor in that silent scene. And then that joy later on when she's when she's like, Yes, I can come with you in a uh, travelling. I mean, we've never had a companion that excited in New Who about travelling mm. with the Doctor. And I think that, that joy really does fill my heart up. And it's just so lovely. It's just so lovely. And I mean there's some clunky bits in this episode as well. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dwell on the negative. Mm-hmm. But you know that bit where she is hanging from the building and he grabs <laughs> her by the ankles and somehow oh, manages God, to pull yeah. her in that tiny window. <laughs> I sort of think to myself, yeah okay, I'm gonna have to just try and suspend my disbelief here because yeah. I don't cut real. away. I want to see Everything I want to see how that back. worked, absolutely, uh-huh. because, uh-huh. you know, that, that is just hilarious. But I do want to talk about the end of the episode where there's a scene outside the TARDIS. And, you know, when there was a really interesting moment for me, which I which I picked up really kind of for the first time properly this time, when Donna is very nearly on board. And there's that part where the Doctor says, you know, it's a funny old life, you know, before you come on board. He's kind of almost warning her about the dangers yeah. of travelling with him. It's, it's it's not quite fully there. There are other doctors that do it do it further on that do it fully. And he but he is there and he does say it's a funny old life. It sounds like concern about how it might change her affect her or affect her family. I mean at the end of the day he did well he was there at her wedding and it profoundly changed her life there in good and bad ways. And so it's interesting I think that he does say that there, but then he does then completely undercut it by talking about Martha and how he got complicated and how he wanted a mate rather than uh, another love interest. And I think that's the that's the kind of almost a shame about the tenth Doctor. But it's everything we we get from the tenth Doctor at that point is he could be saying this is going to change your life. It could hurt you. It could hurt your family. Are you sure? Mm. But no, no. He turns to well, the last time I had someone talking with me. They were in love with me, and I ruined her life. And I think that right there is my problem with the Tenth Doctor. In a nutshell, is that it's, arrogance, you know? Uh huh. And it's a clunky, like it's a clunky line because it's it's a clunky setup to the "you ain't mating with me" or whatever she says, like joke. So it's which like, is hilarious. It makes me laugh like, every time, and I love it. But I just like to get from that to that. I just feel like it, it's a bit clunky, and like you said, like it undercuts like the actual. I don't know. Like, I think it does. I think it does undercut like, it. It's a slight the shame. importance of it. I like because um, he yeah. was horrendous to Martha. Mm, he, he really was. Like really they was. suffered. Like they probably suffered more because it was a year like of their lives. Like yeah. the I um. The only thing that Martha did get, which was marvelous in that in that time, was an answer phone message from Hyacinth Bouquet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, to understand that reference, listen to Stephen's podcast. Oh, great. Here we go. Spoilers. <laughs> um, now we have to move on to Rose, the return of Billy Piper as she turns round that blonde girl. The doomsday music swells. Ben, are you traumatized? Are these flashbacks affecting you badly? Did you cope? Are you okay? I'm fine, but of course, like the clingy bitch was going to find her way back across universities <laughs> to get to him. And I, like, and I know you're supposed to read it as like something bad must be happening or something big must be happening because Rose is back. But at the end of the day, she doesn't give a fuck about any of that. All she wants is David Tennant's doctor. Like, she mm. does not care about anything else that's happening, like, as per 
her actions in every single episode we've ever seen her in. <laughs> but uh, I, I remember, I remember at the time I was like, "Oh," because it wasn't spoiled for me. I had no idea it was happening, and I think it had been spoiled in some sources. Like a few people knew that that's what was going to happen, oh. but uh, at the time, but I remember being like, "Oh, like what's going on?" But. No, I'm just like, ah, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, how do you feel about Rose's return? I mean, I actually can't remember how I felt on first viewing. I don't remember whether I knew it was coming or not. But I I don't know. I suppose it's it's a nice setup of that something's something's coming and that, you know, if you're a fan of the character, is it's it's a hint, it's a nice hint. But Part of me is like, was it really needed um, at this point? You know, perhaps she could have just popped up in turn left and that would have been more of a surprise. I don't know. I, I think it would have been better, like, not as far down the road as turn left, but I know there are wee snippets of her throughout, but like, if that scene happened in another episode, because mm. I think it just sort of like takes away from like the Donna and the Doctor, and like, because there's a I've, there's a progression with them, like they've evolved into like this, and this is now the new TARDIS team, and then boom, like we're we're dragged back to like Rose, and mm. I don't know, like I think it, it sort of feels like things. her her shadow never left because she was with the Doctor for two series, then he spent all of series three moping about her, and then she's back in the series, first oh. episode of series four, you know, mm. like we get it, like. Yeah. <laughs> And whilst I completely understand where you both are coming from, I have to say that moment, I bloody loved it. <laughs> I got chills. I can I see why. Uh, I didn't <laughs> expect it. I thought it was epic. I didn't really like the fact that she just kind of faded away. I didn't, I didn't, I still don't understand that. That's not consistent for me toward the whole, like, you know, the, the technical side of like, what was the, it, the dimension canon? Yeah, like, that stuff I don't get. Like, how is that a canon? Perhaps That's they were still trying to perfect it, and that was like an early yeah, prototype. <laughs> maybe, maybe. And I, but that that moment though for me was huge, and it had it had come during a, a fantastic reunion episode, and and Catherine Tate and Donna were there, and she was straight away. She was my favorite companion, and. And here she was, and then we have this absolutely fantastic for me final scene where Donna says, "I know exactly where I want to go, two and a half miles that way, where she can show Wilf where she is, and he's yeah. there looking, and the joy mm-hmm. for all of them in that scene literally brings tears to my eyes i I, love it. I i I was like when that was happening, like Gary was in the kitchen uh, while I was watching the end of that episode last night, and I just went, Oh, and he came oh. in. He was like, Is it Bernard Cribbins? I was like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. And like, like, I just that whole thing, like how excited he was for Donna, like, and how like happy he was that she'd obviously she'd achieved what she was looking to do. Like, she was she got what she wanted in that moment, and like, the realization that it was him from Christmas, uh-huh, where like, he encountered aliens for the first time, uh, and so it's all I, been the same thing. I would say that that's like that's a close second to the previous Hill side. Yeah, um, it, it really like, is. There's just the joy in that moment is just mm. like overwhelming and beautiful. And I, yeah, like more of that, please. As well as really dark, scary things. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. We want both of those things in the same episode. What were your thoughts on Miss Foster as the villain of the episode? Like, we didn't really talk about that because I, I, do you know what? I think she's. 
sort of a bit blank. Ah, she's which is like kind an of... she's like an estate agent or something. Like oh, she's as yeah. menacing as like somebody. Oh no, I really like her. I really like. Her. I think I... she's she's uh, she's camp, which is what you want in a Doctor Who villain. Um, oh, hundred percent. Love the camp. Yeah. I, I would have preferred something like Miss Hannigan from Annie or something like over the top and like mad. Because like, I think that would have balanced really well with like Donna as well, but I don't know. Like, I just I, that could have been interesting. She wasn't it for me. Like I, but I just I don't know I, how other people feel about Miss Foster. Like, so I was curious. She's like the straight mm-hmm. man against the comedy of Donna. And yeah, that, you know. yeah, that's, and that's she's playing point. it intentionally reserved, isn't she? Because yeah. there is all that other high stuff happening, and so I get where they were going with it, and, and her performance is fine. It's nothing to do with that. It's just the character is. Is written just, as it is to be, just a bit flat, and then I, yeah. I don't dislike her, but I, that's why I kind of didn't really bring her up. <laughs> like, uh, I, like, like uh, we got to, we never spoke about like because she is the villain of the piece, and it was like whatever actually is. mentioned or did we? Like, was, like, I mean, her comedy <laughs> death is fantastic. You know where she oh, looks up and looks down, and looks up again, and yeah, absolutely, say, like Roadrunner cartoon, yeah. Roadrunner, oh, yeah, like Scooby Doo, not this, <laughs> like please, not this. Yeah, and there, there are moments, and, and that's where I get where Jay was saying this looks like it was is written for kids, and, uh-huh. and, and uh, element bits like that. Do I understand where he's coming from? Something he said at that end with the the wily coyote legs sound, you know that. Like, oh, I'm floppy. sure it exists somewhere on YouTube or <laughs> yeah. or TikTok. I'm sure it does. Like, but n- not for me. <laughs> yeah, I get you. Okay, let's do final thoughts then. So, Stephen, do you think our listeners should give a flux about Partners in Crime? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's fun. And, you know, why would you watch Doctor Who other than to have fun? <laughs> you know, well, I'm sure there are other reasons, but um, <laughs> it's, it, fun is one of them. And if you want fun, this is it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It is wonderful. Ben, what about you? Uh, well... I can see a lot of people are going to like this episode and it's probably going to be a brilliant brilliant episode for a lot of people to jump on because it's like a restart. Um, even though I know, like, obviously Donna's been in it before, but that's one of those things we don't need to know that. Like, we kind of get that. That's what's happening from the episode. So although it's not my favourite episode, I would say that it's a good jumping on point for, like, new people to Doctor mm-hmm. Who. It is. That's a fair point. So then here comes the scoring time. Stephen, how many unsanctioned seeding efforts out of 10 do you give this episode? <laughs> um, I'll say an eight. Mm, fair. Ben? I'll give it a six, but four of them are, well, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, like four of those points are purely just because of Donna and Wilf. But I, so I'll give it a six, which isn't nice. No, that, that's that's fair. It's not terrible. No, absolutely. I'm going to join you, Stephen. There's an eight for me. I, I think it's I think it's great. It's eight and it's great. So before we wrap up, then I've got we have to do the season arc check because in this episode we've got the bees disappearing. We've got uh, the adipose breeding planet is lost. We get the shadow proclamation. We get Rose. And we get, you know, that it's all this destiny stuff. There's wow, a lot there's packed a lot. into this. And they're all just throwaway lines. But it all was quite seamless how they were all planted in, I think. I think, yeah. like, yeah. I, I think the arc in this 
season works best than any previous seasons because the previous seasons it was just a word or phrase that was said like throughout it and it's like it's not really an arc it's just like a hint that coming so this this season it felt more like like uh, like it was actually building up to something and it wasn't just saying something like plants are disappearing the bees are disappearing like things are happening and it feels like things are happening and it feels like it's going forward whereas i don't really feel like vote saxon or saxon said this was like don't like i think it's because though it's a product of the fact that this show was the most successful it had ever been at this point Mm -hmm. so it was like it was it was allowed to be a, a continuing series story kind of as it as it went through and to call on itself from what's happened before and it knows the audience is there so it was allowed to do this kind of story and it makes complete sense it does work very successfully here yeah i'll give them that <laughs> <laughs> well thank you very much both for joining me on this chat today i will link to all of your social medias in the show notes so that people can follow you and continue the conversation i'm sure they will steven at this point please will you tell our listeners all about your podcast and where they can find it um well in a nutshell it's me as a lifelong doctor who fan putting a gun to my boyfriend ben's head um who's never seen the show before and forcing him to watch it he's very critical of everything um <laughs> but uh, no spoilers <laughs> by some point certainly series three which he loved he um he's really getting into it um, he still has his criticisms, but yeah, and it's uh, it's called about time because it's about time he bloody watched it, um, <laughs> <laughs> and it yeah it's uh, you can find it on Instagram and TikTok and all those lovely places, and I shall link it too so Thank people you. can go and listen because they need to. Okay, then listeners, what do you think about the Runaway Bride and Partners in Crime? Are they brimming with delight as Donna is to have finally found the Doctor again, or maybe are they a bit more? Thanks for nothing, Spaceman. I'll see you in court. I want to know. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at WhoFluxPod. Thank you very much for listening. Please like and subscribe. And if you please be so kind as to drop me a cheeky little review, that would be amazing because it will help other listeners to find the podcast. And of course, if you want to be a part of the conversation or if you want to join me for an episode, get in touch with the links in the show notes. Ben, please say your goodbyes. Thanks for having me. Goodbye. Stephen, please say your goodbyes. Thank you. And can I just say, I I was impressed with how restrained I was in not doing too many Donna impressions. Um. <laughs> very, I'm very impressed because I know you like an impression. Do, do you want to throw one in now, right at the end? Go on, you should. Oh, um, I'll see you in court. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Could we just go back and just have like nothing but Donna impersonations as we review the episodes? That would have been amazing. <laughs> I mean, it would save us an hour and a half of our lives, I suppose, wouldn't it? <laughs> but where's the joy in that (laughs) oh that's amazing guys thank you very much i will catch you on the next episode of who gives a flux as we continue our journey on the road to the 14th doctor that was quite balanced for you ben I don't. I don't actually seem like a pure money cunt all the time. Like, I, I really am. Like, but, um, Is that I what the C in, stands yeah. for? Yeah. <laughs> Amongst other things, yes. Um, <laughs> please tread oh. in that. Oh, please. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, I will. I will as well. Ben Cunt. 